0: welcome to the core here on american family radio i'm walker wildman glad to be with you today on the show those of you who listen to the show daily and weekly you heard a show just uh, several weeks ago where i had a special guest host matthew marr from new jersey and uh, matthew is uh, an associate or teaching pastor at a church there in New Jersey. He's also a founder of Truth Over Trend Ministry, uh, also out of New Jersey. And Matthew hosted for me just about several weeks ago, within the past few months. And we got a lot of good feedback on Matthew uh, hosting, but I wanted to give you a heads up that uh, we're going to bring Matthew back here in a couple weeks, and uh, he's going to start hosting The Core on occasion, maybe once or twice a week. Um, beginning in about a week or two. So uh, be looking for Matthew to sit in for me and to host the show on occasion moving forward. Matthew's a uh, great talent and uh, has a lot of good insight and a very strong biblical worldview, which is uh, of utmost importance. Uh, so that's on the horizon. Um, jumping into our scripture for the week, we are in... Psalm chapter uh, 12 we were in chapter 11 last week we're in Psalm chapter 12 so opening that up this psalm of david here save o lord for the godly one is uh, save o lord for the godly one is gone for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak may the lord cut off all flattering lips the tongue that makes great boast those who say with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us, who is master over us? Because the pl- poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he belongs. The word of the Lord, the words of the Lord are pure like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them, you will guard us from this generation forever. On every side the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of man. So two two themes here, two lessons we can take out of Psalm chapter twelve, is that the the proud the um, flattering lips in this case the 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 prideful, they always God always gets the final say. God always has the final say. Judgment will always come on those who do wicked and those who are proud. Um, maybe not in our lifetime, maybe not right before our very eyes, but the Lord has the final say. And the last thing we can take from this is that the poor and humble, God always lifts up. God always lifts up the poor and humble. He's always there in time of need. And so we can look to him for that. Uh, moving into our stories for the day and news of the week, um, the, the Russia-Ukraine situation just continues to dominate headlines. You know, I believe uh, the uh, news, all the news channels are covering this, and that's what's drawing everyone's attention. It's so fascinating how... Uh, media in general, whether it be social media, whether it be news media, but media in general, how it is able to drive people's attention. It's fascinating. It's not really complex. It's been this way for a while. But media across the board is able to, and those who control the media, they are able to drive people's attention in all kind of different directions with uh with what is published and so you see that now who was talking about ukraine two months ago well some foreign policy geeks were but most of your uh, everyday americans that wasn't even on their mind but now i mean that's what people are talking about uh why not because this is a new problem well russia did invade ukraine but they were already in eastern ukraine Uh, to a certain extent but all of the media zoned in their attention on it and then uh, all americans in the world turned their eyes on it and we just can't seem to talk about anything else so we're going to address that here first segment and we've got a ton of other stories from around the country but uh, what's going on right now is uh here's where we are and here's what i want to what i want to get across we are at a very pivotal point in this situation, with the U.S. with European allies, where um, you take one wrong step, and this is already terrible to date. From a humanitarian standpoint, from a from an economic standpoint, this is a disaster. Uh, there are there are innocent people in Ukraine that are tied up that are stuck in this terrible situation, and so that's the humanitarian front. You have uh, the economic front, where now the White House is considering a ban on Russian oil imports, which I think should have been done. Uh, we we never should have imported Russian oil that was a terrible decision and nobody's going to talk about how it was a terrible decision they're just going to talk about how Biden stepped up to the plate and banned Russian oil that's going to be the talking point later this week but we should have never begun importing Russian oil to begin with so let's stop applauding (laughs) applauding losses as victories we should have never began importing Russian oil to begin with, so it's not a victory to somehow after after disaster has struck to somehow make the right decision. That's not victory, that's not leading. That's playing from behind. Nord Stream 2. It was Biden that turned on Nord Stream 2 and removed the sanctions that took place under President Trump. And what is Nord Stream 2 that provides energy from Russia into Germany and the rest of the European and other European countries. So Germany and other countries consume Russian energy and pay billions into Putin's pockets so that he can fund his war in Ukraine. That's what we're dealing with here. So now that we are where we are and we've made all these terrible decisions in the past to get us to this point the the temptation now and what we're going to ha- the temptation we're going to have to avoid in America is getting ourselves bogged down in another 30 or 40 year war or in Afghanistan's cl- case 20 plus years that is the great temptation that we are struggling with in America today avoiding another 20 year war in a land far, far away. But emotions are high. Emotions are high for the reasons I just mentioned. The the, the, the situation that Ukraine is in, that the people of Ukraine, many of them innocent, the situation that they are in has drawn emotions from, from the world. And we have the senator from South Carolina, Lindsey Graham, calling for Vladimir Putin to be knocked off. I mean, we are our leaders in America are acting like middle schoolers. We are at a time where we need to cool this thing down before it turns into World War Three. It's not there yet. But before it turns into something that we're not going to be able to turn back, and is going to cause hun- a hundredfold more humanitarian uh, uh, a disaster than we are in a situation now, we need to cool it down. And a senator from the United States of America calling for another world leader to be knocked off on Twitter. I mean, we're not playing. We're not playing Call of Duty here we're not playing Xbox we are dealing with a with a world with a crisis that could turn into a worldwide crisis if it is not handled properly and if emotions do not cool off and rational thinking step up to the plate and I know how 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 righteous is it for everybody to say let's go to war with Russia It sounds so pure, it sounds so bold, it sounds so courageous, but when you put it on paper, it's a terrible idea. What does it look like? And This is something that's, that's also not talked about often. What are the effects on American families if we go to war for 20 more years? And we have the data to back it up, by the way, because we did it in Iraq we did it in Afghanistan we've been in wars that last two decades where we spend I don't know over a trillion dollars thousands of American lives gone bloodshed what are the lasting what are the results of that on American families here on the homeland does that uplift American families how are we going to rebuild this country when we've got moms and dads dying overseas for another country? But if we talk about this, then we're being heartless. We're being mean. We're being too rational. You don't understand the plight of the people of Ukraine. But I think it can, it can go both ways. I think you can have sympathy... For those who are going through a terrible humanitarian situation in Ukraine, but partnered with that, you can also have rational thinking about and weigh out risk versus reward as as to how far America should get involved in this situation in Eastern Europe. And if you want to know, uh, uh, th- there's been talk about a no-fly zone and, and the, the Twitter warriors are just throwing out the no-fly zone and they don't even know what it means. I mean, we have we genuinely have a lot of people doing basing their foreign policy positions off of Twitter videos. Uh, here's Marco Rubio, the senator from Florida, explaining to us what is a no-fly zone.
1: On that Zoom yesterday with President Zelensky, Are you and your colleagues now more open to a no-fly zone? Look, a no-fly zone has become a catchphrase. I'm not sure a lot of people fully understand what that means. That means flying AWACS 24 hours a day. That means the willingness to shoot down and engage Russian airplanes in the sky. That means... Frankly, you can't put those planes up there unless you're willing to knock out the anti-aircraft systems that the Russians have deployed, and not just in Ukraine, but in Russia and also in in, in Belarus. So basically, a no-fly zone, if people understood what it means, it means World War III. It means starting World War III. So I think there are a lot of things we can do to help Ukraine protect itself, both from airstrikes and missile strikes. But I think people... Need to understand what a no-fly zone means it's not just it's not some rule you pass that everybody has to oblige by it's the willingness to shoot down the aircrafts of the russian federation which is basically the beginning of world war three
0: yeah, So, so so before we start calling for a no-fly zone let's talk through that let's talk through that a no-fly zone over ukraine means that number one probably a western nation or a NATO member country would have to enforce it. Ukraine doesn't have the, the military capability at this and the capacity to knock off all of the anti-aircraft systems that Russia has and then enforce the no-fly zone. So that would leave the US or other European countries to enforce the no-fly zone, which puts us in direct conflict with Russia. Is that what we want now? Do we want to escalate it to that point? I don't think we do. I think we'll regret it. We'll talk more about it after the break.
1: They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures? My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. These words were shared between Cleopas and his companion on the seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus as Jesus in resurrected form used the Hebrew scriptures to reveal himself to them as the Messiah. There are at least 109 distinct biblical prophecies the Messiah had to fulfill. The mathematical probability of such a feat occurring is astoundingly absurd, yet that absurdity is satisfied in Jesus, the Messiah. Come, let us adore him. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner. For more, from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. God is not interested in our perfection, rather, in making us holy. Holy like he is holy. Does this feel daunting? In a world that says you are enough just the way you are, consider a godly perspective. Does he want us to come to him as we are? Yes. His love is open to all, and good works can't make us deserving of his extravagant grace. But does God leave us as we are? No, here is the shift. Romans 6 slices the world's lie that we are enough. The truth is that Christ is enough. His saving work on the cross was and is enough. When your daughter is tempted to believe the lie of enough, remind her of her reliance on her Savior, Christ. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. 83344 Bible. That's 83344 Bible. 83344 Bible. AFA at the Core podcast are available at afr.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio.
0: Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Folks, what we're trying to do on the show my intent uh, on continuing to discuss this situation in, in Ukraine, uh, with you with uh, Russia v Ukraine, is to bring bring a little bit of sanity, bring a little bit of uh, of of thought to this discussion, and not just I could easily come on the show for an hour and, and 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 do the whole emotional thing and do the whole you know act as if we've never been in this situation before with other countries. And then before we know it, all the talking heads in America have talked our leaders into another 20- or 30-year war. And then our neighbors are going there over there dying in Eastern Europe for, for Ukraine. But that's really not where we want to go here. And, 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 and this is this should be discussed now on the front end. Instead of 15 years from now, we're all sitting around the table drinking coffee going – So why did we send the 82nd Airborne into Ukraine to begin with? Why is my neighbor going to Ukraine Uh, to begin with? Where did this all begin? And then we go back to now, 2022, and we read the history books about how America launched full steam ahead into another decades-long war the uh, one one angle that I want to bring up here and then I've got a clip from Biden in 1997 basically predicting this Um, the major major companies are removing themselves from Russia from the Russian economy and uh, many of you have seen this you would have to have your head in a closet or in the sand to not see this but we're talking big big companies uh you have uh, the big 4 accounting firms um KPMG and others pulling themselves out of Russia saying we're not doing business in Russia anymore you've got car manufacturer uh Nissan Exxon. says uh what's that Exxon, Exxon is, is yep. yeah Exxon as well uh but Nissan said Monday that it has suspended exports to Russia um Deloitte that's an accounting firm. They said Monday it would no longer operate in Russia. Uh, let's see, Netflix. Now, these are – these are. No, I wouldn't call these essential services, but uh, Netflix has terminated services in Russia. TikTok, which is Chinese-owned, by the way, uh, American Express, MasterCard, and Visa over the weekend said that that, that – there was some confusion, by the way, on whether they terminated services domestically in Russia – our international transactions, there's a little bit of confusion there, but to some extent, American Express, Visa, and MasterCard have said they're not doing, yeah. allowing their cards to work for Russian citizens moving forward. Um, let's see. Microsoft said Friday it was suspending new sales of its products and services in Russia. Samsung, same thing. Google says it would no, long se- no longer sell online advertising in Russia through its search engine. All right, so I could go on the list. This is, this is dozens of companies. But the reason I bring this up is the question that should be uh, brought about, which asking questions nowadays is like a big no-no. What good does it do to cut off Russian citizens from the West? What good does it do? And that's a genuine question. What good does it do? The reason I bring this up is because prior to the West and these private corporation and private corporations beginning to make a foreign policy moves, which is very interesting. I'm not sure we've ever seen this level of corporations basically running foreign policy. But the the, the, the there was already dissent in Russia. And there was already great uh, disgust for Putin going into Ukraine, and that's why uh, uh, Russia has had to clamp down on protesters because there are there are people in Russia who are not good with what's going on in Ukraine. They don't want to go to war with Ukraine. I've got a story here out of Fox that says Russian authorities arrested more than five thousand anti-war protesters in cities across Russia. Over the course of one day, I read a story the other day that there's been over 10,000, maybe even 15,000-plus arrests of anti-war protesters. People, Russian citizens who don't want to go to war, who are against invading Ukraine. So the risk that is run by the West— blocking out and putting Russia on an island is that we could potentially turn Russian citizens who initially were against Putin's actions, we could end up turning them against the West. And mark my word, Russia and Putin, they will use these private corporations blocking off Russia from their services. Putin will use that as propaganda to point the finger at the West and the U.S. and say, see, looky there. Look there. They don't want you to know what's going on. They don't want you. Uh, they want you to be punished, and they don't want us uh, to be a sovereign country. That will be the propaganda from Russia, and and these these companies have now played right into that hand. They have now played right into that hand. And, and do we think that, that Putin is going to suffer if Visa and MasterCard and American Express don't work? No, it's going to be the Russian people that are going to suffer. If these services do not work, and I don't know how that advances our mission on the world stage by cutting off Russian citizens from being able to live out their daily lives. I just don't know how that's going to work out and what what are we really maneuvering for here on the world stage. Well, uh, this is a 1997 clip, a little flashback from when uh, President Biden was a U.S. senator, and this is— Biden, back in 1997, talking about how expanding NATO to flush up near Russia's borders would provoke Russia to strike against certain countries in Eastern Europe. Clip five. Let's listen.
1: I think the one
0: place where the greatest consternation would be caused in the short term for admission,
1: having nothing to do with the merit and preparedness of the country to come in, would be to admit the baltic states now in terms of nato russian u.s russian relations and if there was ever anything that was going to tip the balance were it to be tipped in terms of a vigorous and hostile reaction i don't mean military in russia it would be that
0: well there you have it that's uh, then senator biden saying in essence if NATO keeps pushing up against Russia's borders, that's not going to bode well. That's going to provoke a response from Russia. Well, where are we now? Some, I don't know, 20 plus, almost 30 years, well, 25 years later, we are in a position where that has occurred. That precise scenario has occurred. Now, I'm not saying that uh, uh, surrounding countries joining NATO means that Russia has the right to invade them and take them over and bomb them into oblivion. But I am saying as part of the foreign policy calculations as to what is enough for NATO, this should have been considered. And it actually obviously was considered because Biden was talking about it 25 years ago. But, But to act as if, uh, Russia is is the bad man, and that's it. There's no other discussion. It's Russia is a bad, uh, Putin is a bad man. Russia is a bad country, and then there's no other discussion about the context here. That would be ignoring half of the facts. That would be ignoring half of the facts. Uh, Somebody brought up the other day what what would America do if uh, if 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 China uh, installed a Mexican president and then started setting up. A military bases and sending military equipment over to Mexico how would America respond would we be good with that and a very similar scenario happened in Ukraine and surrounding countries no they're not NATO members uh, but but the US and NATO countries were very very involved with Zelensky's election and with everything that's happened in Ukraine since then uh, I wanted to pull up this uh, gentleman that I follow on Twitter uh, his name is Richard Hananiah, and uh, he put out this statement that I thought just really summed up this whole situation. He is, um, by the way, Richard Hananiah is a research fellow at the Saltzman Institute of War and Peace Studies at Columbia University. So that's a little background of there. Here's, here was his statement over the weekend. He said, I can't believe our policy is literally crash the Russian economy, hope the cu- current government disappears, And then by magic, something better comes along and leaves Ukraine. This war has shown how much people rely on emotion rather than reason, even among those who I thought knew better. I mean, I know the foreign policy establishment is dumb. This is his words. I wrote a book on it. This is how they always behave. They are a deranged elephant stomping around the world stage, bringing death and destruction wherever they go. But you, talking about the public, are all... Their enablers. So that's from Richard Hananiah on the situation in Ukraine, and uh, there, there, there are injustices around the world that have been happening since the dawn of creation. I've got stories about China and their genocide against Uyghurs, their forced sterilization of the Uyghur pop- population, the forced, uh, forced labor of the Uyghur population. This entire report. Um, goes through all the atrocities that are going on against the Uyghur population. And that's not even factoring in how Christians are under severe persecution in China. But we think that Russia is the only evil nation on the world stage. That Russia is the only evil nation on the world stage. You, you, you read reports of what goes on in North Korea. What goes on in North Korea is, is disgusting. Humanitarian abuses like like the world's never seen in North Korea but there aren't there aren't TikTok videos and YouTube videos and Twitter videos coming out of North Korea and China because they have the internet cut off and filtered so we don't know what's going on there we actually do know what's going on there but we can't see with our own eyes what's going on there but if there was videos and evidence that was released beyond what has already been released about what goes on in North Korea and China, I would hope that the same outrage would come about that we're seeing uh, the outrage go on in Ukraine. Moving on to a few other topics, the um, Attorney General out of Texas, I've got two stories about what's going on in the Attorney General's office in Texas, Uh, but he is on a roll. Attorney General Ken Paxton He put out a statement in uh, mid-February where Paxton, uh, this is from a Daily Signal op-ed, but I'm just going to summarize Paxton's actions. Paxton methodically builds the case for his expert legal judgment by detailing the physical, emotional, and mental harms these procedures inflict on children and listing several statutes which they violate. So what's the context here? We're talking about sex change procedures. And as you and I know from a medical, biblical, and scientific standard, you cannot change one's sex. You can mutilate their body and make their body physically appear as though they're the other sex. But the only person, well, you can't change sex at all. God assigns sex. A uh, Sex is assigned from conception, not from birth, from conception, and there's no changing it there's absolutely no changing it well uh, this is uh, from from Texas so the Attorney General's office in Texas is building uh, the legal standard right now that that sex change procedures our gender uh, our body body mutilation procedures for young children is a no-go and it should be illegal and I agree with him 100% Uh, the author here of this op-ed piece let me pull up his name real quick um, this is well the author's name's actually not on here well uh, i'm sorry Walt Walt Hires Walt Hires was actually in our documentary uh, the in his image documentary so this is this is Walt Hires' personal perspective of what's going on in Texas and around the world so we know uh, Walt Hires a good friend of the ministry so he wrote this op-ed in the Daily Signal uh, but he goes on to say that As one who formally identified as a transgender woman, I can tell you Paxton is correct, talking about the Attorney General. Adults should not subject children to surgery that removes healthy organs and causes sterilization or endanger them with drugs to block normal onset of puberty or to induce cross-sex appearance. He goes on to say, Walt goes on to say, adults should protect children's long-term health and well-being, not experiment with it. Gender dysphoria leads to unnecessary hormone therapy and reckless life-altering surgery. The first step in helping anyone, especially children, is to see their troubles through an appropriate lens, free from political ideology. Walt goes on to say, Unfortunately, gender clinics diagnose all patients with gender dysphoria and immediately prescribe a singular treatment namely affirm the opposite gender and change the body to match the mind a process called sex change anyone who questions this radical protocol even parents gets hit with an accusation of transphobia so Walt is is detailing his personal perspective here Uh, so that's one story out of the uh, state of Texas the other story I've got has to deal with Netflix they Netflix released a couple of years ago this series called Cuties, which basically sexualizes young girls, underage girls, and shows all kind of inappropriate imagery and is really catering to people who are sexual predators and pedophiles. Well, the Attorney General's office is going after Netflix over the series, so good for them. We have to stand up for the most vulnerable, and that includes our children. AFA at the core, Walker Wildman, will be back in just a few minutes.
2: Aria is suffering for the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Aria lives in the Middle East in a radical Muslim family. She accepted the invitation of a Christian friend to attend a weekly Bible study and eventually received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She took her Bible study booklet home, hiding it in her room before her mother found it and gave it to her father. He beat young Aria nearly to death and called the officials to report her as an infidel. They took her to a remote cell where they assaulted her and the Christian friend and eventually let them go. Now these two women, they didn't grow bitter, they grew bold and together they've seen hundreds come to Christ in the Middle East where it's nearly impossible to get a Bible. And that's why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleless believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or click SendBiblesNow.org. That's SendBiblesNow.org. And God bless you for caring.
1: A moment of truth with Gary Bryden of the Association of Independent Methodists. One day George Washington decided to take a walk. He stopped to watch some of his men work on building a breastwork. A corporal was directing. Three times his men tried to get the last heavy log in place. General Washington went over and helped the men put the log in place. Washington turned to the corporal and asked, why he didn't help his men. Not recognizing Washington, he said, Don't you see that I'm a corporal? Washington replied, Well, I'm only the commander-in-chief. Next time you have a log too heavy for your men, call me. Jesus said, Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant the Association of Independent Methodists, like-minded congregations doing together what can't be done separately. Visit aim2020.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio.
0: Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Well, to... Restate my position to leave no room for misinterpretation. Uh, My position for the last two weeks has been, and this goes back prior to the Russia-Ukraine conflict, uh, that we don't we we need to stop, put a halt to sending American troops into wars thousands of miles away where the end game, where the goal, the objective, the strategic objective is yet to be determined. And so we need to figure out as a country, our leaders need to figure out what is our overall strategic objective? Is it attainable? And once it is attained, can we go back uh, to normal? Can we can we withdraw from The conflict. That's my position. So anybody out there who says Walker doesn't have a heart, he doesn't understand the plight of the Ukrainian people, no, no, that is a side rabbit trail that is meant to disable discussion. Name-calling and accusing people of not having a heart and then pulling out Twitter videos of people suffering, that is all middle middle school-level stuff. That's Lindsey Graham-type stuff that is meant to avoid discussion, thoughtful, logical, in-depth discussion about what America's role is here and what the overall strategy should be. And if we want to send arms, if we want to send aid, I mean, there's already tons of humanitarian aid going over there, then that's great. I think we need to help innocent people who are suffering. And that's not just in Ukraine. That's around the world and here domestically, by the way. But American boots, American men and women um, in, in Ukraine fighting Russia uh, should be a no-go, and that's been the stance thus far, but we just need to maintain that stance and not let emotion drive our decision-making. Back to the topics I was talking about before we hit the break there. Uh, uh, the last thing I'll mention on the uh, transgender insanity going on around the country is that Utah, the Utah legislature, is pushing through a bill um, that will prevent men from competing in women's sports. Imagine that. Same type legislation we've talked about for, year, for the last few years around the country. Uh, this this uh, legislation will ensure that there is fairness to protect the safety of female athletes. So we see the injustices going on with the University of Pennsylvania dude- the guy that is swimming in the girls' swim team because he's confused. Uh, well, Utah is, is is hoping and aiming to protect girls' sports, to protect women's sports. And the Utah governor there, a Republican, is actually waffling. He's squirming. He's getting a little uncomfortable. He can't take the pressure. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's squirming around on whether he's going to sign this bill or not. But I would just encourage him to be bold be bold be firm stand up for what is right what is right here is that you sign the legislation to protect protect women's sports simple as that it's as simple as that we do not to we do not need to enable and reaffirm people who are suffering from gender dysphoria instead they need to be reintroduced to reality reintroduced to reality and they need help but this is not help letting them play in other sex sports is not helping people folks That's enabling them in their dysphoria, which is terrible for them. When people are suffering from a mental disorder, you don't enable them to further suffer from the mental disorder. No, you redirect them, you help them with uh, everything that you can do, but we do not enable uh, people who are having issues from a mental and emotional standpoint. Moving into a couple other stories, this one's out of uh, this is a clip I want to play from the CDC director. Um, I'm actually. Well, I'm not surprised that Walensky, the CDC director, said this. But at the same time, I kind of am uh, surprised because this is what we've all been saying, but the CDC director uh, says it for us. So this is CDC director. She's on doing some kind of uh, event here, some kind of panel discussion. This was not on like a major media outlet. This was some kind of event that she was at, but it was on video. And she's talking about how that uh, having a 95% efficacy rating or our percentage for these shots was all along, quote, wishful thinking. Clip three. Let's listen. Where could we have improved? Um, well,
1: you know, I think I can tell you where I was when the CNN feed came that it was 95% effective on um, the vaccine. So many of us wanted to be hopeful. So many of us wanted to say, OK, this is our ticket out right now we're done. Um, so I think we had perhaps too little caution and too much optimism um, for some good things that came our way. I, I really do. I, I think all of us wanted this to be done. Nobody said waning when when you know mm-hmm. oh this vaccine's gonna work. Oh well
0: <laughs> maybe it'll work it'll wear
1: off. Um, nobody said well what if the next variant doesn't it doesn't it's not as potent against the next variant.
0: So the CDC director is admitting that nobody asked the tough questions. She said she said two things. She said no one asked or brought up the thought or the question about what if uh, the the shot wanes? What if its efficacy wanes over time? She said no one at the table brought that up. This is astonishing. Out of all the scientists and quote-unquote, experts that are... I mean, think about all the bureaucrats that are operating the CDC. No one at the decision-making table brought up that these shots may not last forever. Also, she says that the thought about the other variants, about the shot not working against other variants, that was never discussed. It was never discussed. So basically, she said... Everybody was was so so tied up and so hopeful and optimistic and filled with, quote, wishful thinking that they never asked the critical questions that would have caught some of these issues on the front end during the development of these shots. Instead, they were all aloft. They were all uh, in no man's land, not asking the tough questions. And here we are now where we have shots that have waning or in some situations no efficacy and that have also had detrimental health effects for thousands of people in this country. That's just in this country. And that were ruled virtually non-effective against other variants. And this is why it is dangerous to shout people down and cancel people who ask tough questions. Not just as it relates to the COVID topic, but maybe as it relates to the Russia-Ukraine topic, or any other topic that is ruling and dominating headlines today, people who ask tough questions that maybe there's not an answer for right now. But those people should not be shouted down, removed from different platforms, and canceled from society because they dare to ask a question that is tough and that we may not have an answer to at this moment. That should be welcomed. That should be welcomed. But uh, as we know now, the left, they love to cancel. They love to shout down. Why? Because they probably either don't have an answer or they don't want to discuss the answer to the issues that we face today. There's a clip that I brought in last week and never played, and this is from... And this is actually from the YouTube CEO who is recommending in this clip that governments pass laws to gain more control over online speech and elsewhere. Clip one, let's listen.
1: Our recommendation, if governments want to have more control over online speech, is to to pass laws, to have that be very cleanly and clearly defined such that we can implement it. There are times that we see the laws being implemented or, or being suggested that they Um, They're they're not necessarily clean or possible for us to cleanly interpret them. Um, And we've also seen sometimes there's
0: laws passed just for the Internet as opposed to for all speech. Um, And I I do think that's a dangerous area when we start to get in and say, oh, sure, you could say something like this in a magazine or on TV, but you can't say it on the Internet. Well, my friends, I hate to break it uh, to the YouTube CEO, but America already has laws on the books that guide what is appropriate speech and what is not appropriate speech. First, for those who don't know, we have this very important document called the U.S. Constitution, and within it is the Bill of Rights, and within it is the First Amendment that not only allows the free press, but also allows free speech freedom of religion. So that's the first note here, a very important one, might I add. Also, there is lo- there are laws on the books that outline what is legal and illegal speech. For example, if I threaten to harm someone or to kill someone, That is not legal. That is not appropriate. That can be punishable by law. So there is already laws on the books that tell you what is allowable and what is not. The problem is, is that the left, they want to go further. They want to go way further. And they want Congress, they want our government to pass laws and regulations so they can shut us down. They want basically the status quo to be that anything that goes against the government narrative, anything that goes against the so-called experts, the ones that actually get things wrong more than we do, <laughs> anybody that goes against the established narrative, they should be canceled, they should be blocked, they should be deplatformed. That's what they're going for here. That's what they're going for here. And that's another reason that I'm not like standing on top of my car applauding all these tech companies for canceling Russia, Russian citizens from every single platform you could imagine because that's been happening to Christians in America for a couple of years now. I mean, American Family Association, we've been deplatformed from multiple platforms, some of them essential services to our operation, such as Stripe, credit card processing. They canceled us overnight. PayPal, you get other platforms that have just completely canceled our services and our agreements because we're a Christian organization. And so, uh, widespread canceling, widespread deplatforming, and doing it to people you just don't like and you just don't agree with—that uh, is a path that we need to be very hesitant to go down, especially from a governmental standpoint. Especially from a governmental standpoint, and if we want to, if we want to continue to uphold the standard, the legal standard, that private corporations can do what they want, and private corporations can choose to do business with uh, X and not choose to do business with Z, so on and so forth, then let's apply that across the board and let's stop punishing the Christian business owners who don't want to do business and violate their religious beliefs such as Jack Phil- Phillips, Baronel Stutzman. The list goes on and on and on. I'm good with that. I'm good with the legal standard that if you're a private business, a private entity, you can pick and choose who you do business with, but that's not the standard they want to live by. They want to force Christians to violate their religious beliefs and do things that go against Christian teachings, but at the same time, they want to cancel Christian organizations and claim that they have a right to because they're a private organization. You can't have it both ways. you got to pick one or the other. You can't have it both ways. Well, one thing I called for... A long time ago, probably about a year or more ago, was law enforcement task forces, or a law enforcement task force in this scenario, to enforce existing election law. A major problem that we saw after the 2020 election is there were all these abnormalities. There were actually some highly noteworthy illegalities that went on in the 2020 election, But all of it had to work its way through the mumbo-jumbo court system and there was no good quick fast way for the truth to be discovered and exposed instead we had to sue different groups they sued and it had to work its way through the legal system meanwhile we have weeks or days before certification of elections and so the clock was ticking well Florida Senate the Florida Senate passed a voting law package on Friday of last week that was pushed by the governor, Ron DeSantis, that would create a police force dedicated to pursuing election crimes. The chamber approved the bill on a party line's vote with nearly all Republicans in support. DeSantis, a Republican, proposed the need for an election police unit last year citing unspecified, this is an NBC report, but citing allegations of fraud that have gained traction in parts are gained traction in parts of the GOP following former President Donald Trump's claims that his reelection was stolen. I think this is great. Let's get to the bottom of reported election fraud and find out whether it's true or not. And if there is fraud, it needs to be prosecuted in an orderly fashion and prior to elections being certified.